The game of chess blew up in the last few months. From Twitch streams, Pog Champs, the miniseries Queen's Gambit, and I like to add Wesley Saw, a Filipino chess player that represented America, beat the world grandmaster Magnus Carlsen. I think that there will be a few more tournaments that will happen soon as people fight for the title. Perhaps more updates will follow just in case that I will not be saying them, considering the date that I'm recording as of the moment. It is one of those weird things that just happened. The term Netflix effect surfaced as the search result ratings for chess skyrocketed throughout the net, especially when Queen's Gambit came out on the cell platform. The quiet, underground, 64-tiled board was dug out in the open. Chess boards sold out. People can stop talking about it. Chess cups were either started or were on a boom. As much as possible, I don't want to ride on hypes because I want to genuinely enjoy the shows that I want to watch without any outside influences. But I saw my friends on my Facebook feed and how they really love the show. In addition, the game played a large part of my childhood. So, I gave in as soon as I could go. Initially, I was rather pessimistic on the new fans because they would leave and be disinterested in the sport once the dust settles on the small town. But, Realizing now, having this mindset, or gatekeeping them in general, is not a good thing. The 2015 me could have retained on such thinking. I mean, one of them could be a grandmaster, a GM, an international master, IM, or any other FIDE title someday which is awarded by the aforementioned International Chess Governing Body, FIDE, with the full name of Federación Internacional de Chess. I hope that I pronounced that right. <laughs> if you are one of those newcomers and became fans of the sport because of the show, then I want to welcome and hug you. I mean, uh, scratch that latter part. Remember, social distancing. Of which I hope that we won't have to in due time. There is a beauty in exclusivity, but we must somehow showcase a sense of inclusiveness so that new fans can come in to feel that they are part of a wonderful and brilliant community of people. We need other people for a chess culture, or culture basically, in general, to keep any flame going. Magnus Carlsen was asked for his opinions about the miniseries. He loved the accuracy of the games in which like me, tried to play the games 
like what would white move next then black and so on the show in the book has shown their detailed work in which we'll talk about it a bit later Magnus Carlsen gave it a 5 out of 6 on a dice because as stated in a comment of the YouTube video it is a Norwegian cultural thing to compare things on a six-sided dice. One of my favorite moments in the miniseries is when Beltic called off his relationship with Beth. He described her to be like Morphe, as someone so brilliant but died at an early age. Morphe was the pride and sorrow of chess. Like him, Beth will be bound to the same fate if she doesn't change her ways. Reading deeper into this comparison by Beltic, Morphe just abandoned chess because he doesn't see it as a way of living. He didn't put into consideration the title that he holds as the current world grandmaster of that time. He just died on a stroke in his bathtub. He didn't consider the turning point that he needs to act upon. And if Beth doesn't see that in her life, as Beltic saw her drugs, then she'll die soon enough and perhaps be forgotten. Further reading into Beltic's words to Beth entails a meta aspect that the author lived under the same circumstances. He was an alcoholic and a frequent smoker and gambler, of which Beth is not, but you know, the first two still applies. Beth's drug addiction was influenced by the author's childhood as he used to take phenobarbital or luminal which was used to treat seizures to young children as he had a heart condition back then. If you're asking why I know these things, well, we have Wikipedia for that. <laughs> His turning point was when he sought help for Alcoholics Anonymous around the 1970s and from then from that point on he um, overcame it he did he spent his last years as a full-time writer and died due to lung cancer it was an interesting read that he has the recurring theme of anti-hero in his works Going back to the scene, I loved that moment in the sense that I saw myself as Beltic. Chess wasn't his thing and he didn't see himself in that intensive niche of a lifestyle. He 
wanted other things in life. This dilemma is half of the big reason why I stopped playing. The other half is a private and a personal matter. So let's go on what I want to talk about. I've always wondered to myself if I pursued chess full-time when I was starting out in college. Back then on... No, um... In college, I met people who just appreciate me for who I am. And on, on my grade school and high school, chess did that for me. And I was surrounded with people who liked me and despite of my flaws, but but college was different and as as i just said i met people who just appreciate me for being me and keeping up with my studies were already difficult enough for me i could only choose to to juggle with my studies obviously come first uh, one thing is that choosing the varsity life meant that I could help my parents with my finances. I didn't choose that. Is it selfish for me to seek my own happiness? I've experienced a lot of things back in college that I couldn't back then. In my five years of stay, I felt free and you could say that I was happy despite their bad things, but generally, more or less, I became happier with myself. But I don't want to admit it because when you admit that you're happy, you're just doomed that something bad will happen soon. And it's cyclic, but I'm trying to overcome that mindset in my own quiet ways. <laughs> Anyways, um, but sometimes I'd look back to the or to an alternate timeline. Like um, I could have braved forward my yips towards the sport and perhaps studied his math degree in full throttle and graduated with his batchmates unlike this me right now i guess the alternate me would be in a better seat as of the moment is he happier well, I guess I could say that there will be less issues that would bother him. He could get the things that could make him happy on a later date. Because he, because I think he would have what he needs. And when you have what you need, I think it's, much, it's so much easier to get what you want after. At least 
that's how I view things. I'd like to imagine that he is living his life as of the moment. So uh, go alternate me. I'm cheering for you. And that's the end of my brief story. Let's move forward to another point that I would like to explain on why I love the series. Um, another analysis of the Queen's Gambit miniseries is from the Botez twins that I stumbled upon YouTube. In case you don't know, probably you don't. The female duo are strong in the chess scene. Somewhere in the early 2010, 2010s, if I got my information correct, Alexandra, the older of the two, is more dedicated to chess rather than her younger sister. She played for the national Canadian team and became the Canadian national girls champion five times. She has played in multiple chess olympiads. Also, she won the U.S. Girls Nationals at the age of 15. Her sister, Andrea, does not fall far from the tree as she also nabbed a few championships here and there. Then, college came and Alexandra somehow continued in her chess path while Andrea decided that it was not for her. Now, both sisters, as, as of the moment, have skyrocketed in Twitch under the username Botez Twins. They also have a YouTube channel to post other content and their Twitch stream highlights. Uh, that's a bit of background and when the viewers ask them about their thoughts about the series, they loved it because it was real for them as players. The thinking, the situation, the games, and most of it at some moments are jammed. And um, some moments, and except some moments because some, because some of them are dramatized, because um, it is inescapable that, well, it is television. You need to do something to make your viewers uh, reeled in to what you want to show. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll explain a bit further on what I want to say. One of the unrealistic things they stated is how, or what the show got wrong is how, what the show got wrong is how Beth learned so quickly at the technicalities of the game. The chess clock, the notation, the handshakes, appropriate piece movement, and etc. Speaking of inaccuracies, other thing, another thing is the scene of the episode where Beth goes to her first tournament at the final leg. And um, I'll add that to the show notes on what I'm referring to. Um, no one looks so, no one looks confidently or so casual in a pre-game, because in actuality, most are stressed and or too focused on the upcoming matches. I mean, just no one looks like that. I mean. No one. <laughs> or at least like 99% of the populace to, for some statistical accuracy. So, there. 
going back to the twins analysis one of the things they liked about it is how inspiring the show makes them feel Andrea was sparked by the urge to somehow go back into the game and be part of the competition and like her we had the same sentiment because I stopped and watching the show made me feel great things as if this passion wants to come out and I somehow shyly did and now I'm trying to I'm trying my best to climb up my ratings on chess.com which my moves need some work because I have been ever so rusty but starting from somewhere is important and also I like to add in a few parallels to the show end and on how it is real okay uh, I'll, I'll add more so to demonstrate the shows really similar to the games here are some of them and their real-life counterparts there are many chess youtubers and for me the youtuber Agadmator has the most delightful and entertaining chess analysis as it is the focal point of his channel he studies chess games that's it <laughs> and if and and I think he studies it live yeah he also streams but I haven't watched them yet um, you can view them in the show notes for your ease of access or at least type of a picture of what I'm talking about so I'll try my best to be as descriptive <laughs> so um the first game to be discussed is Beth's first bot with Beltic on her first tournament uh, the one where she notices his ugly teeth and this and him being late and his smoking mannerisms um, well, well the game is an actual game uh, for full disclosure uh, the game parallel the game parallels were done beforehand and I'm just adding my inputs on what I think about them the original game is from Nesmetinov versus Kasparian um, a Karakan game in 1955. The old system was updated as stated by Benny, where he corrected Bet's move on on a on a tournament that they're in together, which shook her confidence against the first battle with him. She, um, because of that, she sadly lost, and it took time for her to get back on her feet as she is still growing as a player. Uh, the second game would be the the symbol um, in chess language, short for simultaneous. Mm. Like the one that that Beth did on the on on the guy's high school. The classroom the, the classroom where she faced every single member of chess club. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so uh 
So this game is one of, one, one of the Blitz games that Beth challenged Benny and two of his friends after her first win against him. It is, if not, the most famous game called The Night of the Opera, wherein Morphe beautifully delivered a checkmate through a queen's sacrifice. The moves were delivered in utmost grace, not in brutality of not in brutality of taking all the pieces and winning but Morphe won with only a, f only a few moves by Rook and the Bishop combination. The game is just a marvel to see how Morphe is one of the most renowned players in the world of chess. Um, again for details of the game please do refer to the show notes at the about info for this episode. The last game to be discussed, and also the last game for the show, is Beth versus Borkov. The third, uh, the third time that they battle. This is actually a modified game by Vasily Borkov versus Patrick Wolf, with two Fs. This, oh um. Okay, when I say the players, the first person is the white, then the second is the black player. Okay, <laughs> just to let you know. Um, this Queen's Gambit client um, opening originally ended in a draw. Um, but again, this is modified where, um, where one of the lines uh, was, uh, post-game lines was played on this. On this moment of the show. The relevance of the title of the miniseries strikes through as Harmon is actually an E4 player and you can see that if you you can see that if you freeze the frames on some of her games where she starts out with an E pawn. So yeah she's an E4 player uh, and when you are an E4 player um, you follow the trope of an attacker that includes making astounding sacrifices and to expand on on, on the world of chess um, it's either you start out as an e4 player or a d4 player it's one of those two or most commonly those two um, initial um, first moves with the game so there's that her her playing d4 at the only one game to end all games signifies the culmination of the changes that she went through. D4 players are positional players and in which I hope you'll do your own research because this is a bit difficult for me to explain or why they're called positional players. So. And but but most cases, um, they are most likely lean to to a defensive player, and you only and you win by doing the right things at the right moments. So that's why being a defensive player is in conjunction with a positional player. This stark change in her style alludes to the attitude of, "Hey, I need to step back." The third time will not be a charm. 
and I need to stop charging and I need to feel it, feel everything else around me, like the other things in life. This change is also visible when she received help from her friends back in the States. And I mean, it's visible way beforehand where she met Towns on, on one uh, on the post on before the tournament or somewhere along that line, somewhere along that time. Um, and um, yeah, and well, um, going back, um, she received help from her friends back in the States. Uh, she doesn't have to go through this journey alone, despite the trope that of the room at the top is empty or just is quite solitary if you think about it. And it's game for smart people. I mean, like smart, per a smart person, you just tend to be much more like reclusive. It's there's a correlation among things, and I think you understand what I mean. Um. So, uh, the cinematography of the show subtly guides the viewer to see these tiny nuances of the show. To continue to enjoy the game was a struggle. Beth was thrown on the edge as Borkov played an undiscussed line, the T5 pawn. In that dark moment, on a foreign land of cold Russia, under a dimly light tournament of the final boss battle, it was made light to her as she, car as she carved out the she carved out the, the right moves to ultimately see the right path on her win. A beautiful queen sacrifice, a gamble of a denial of a draw, as Borgov asked, offered her once, where, I mean, she could still win, like, having a draw with the current grandmaster is... Is already a feat, but she risked that, and she she jumped towards the unknown. Mm. You can call this gamble a gambit, <laughs> because uh, this gambit strode <clears throat> strode the board, eyeing for the prize. This queen move. And from this point on, Borokov struggled his last moments in the battlefield, trying to fish out for a draw by a perpetual check. But Beth sees through his palpable plots by carefully moving her king to the left to end Borokov's lone queen check. Thus, his resignation was imminent. Gary Kasparov, the world grandmaster from the 2000s, was interviewed on his view of the show. To the interviewer's surprise, he was actually con contacted by, surprisingly, Pagolfini, the book consultant. 
because he want because he wanted to do something interesting in chess and the series was it oh um what i mean by book consultant is that the the author of the book actually consulted him for the accuracies of the game and how and basically how the book is stands for what it is so um Kasparov was asked to become the show's consultant on the authenticity of chess events and the culture of and the culture of Russia on that point. And I could infer that this is why the show strikes home to me as a now casual player. Because the last few episodes that were set in Russia seem so authentic to me from the seriousness of the people towards chess and Gary confirmed it from the ven like from the venue of the tournament, the masses waiting outside, as Beth became a celebrity overnight, games being adjourned, which is actually true because you don't have machines and you just can't spend all day playing chess. I mean why? So yeah, games are actually being adjourned and the Russians playing as a quote unquote team the last scene where Beth just mingled with the chess players on the Russian street and a lot more. Like, chess is a part of their lives. The main grandmaster told the interview that the one thing that was off in the final lag is the telecommunication system for international calls that occurred between Beth and her past back home. Like, there's supposed to be a longer time for the message to be delivered on that system but everything else despite the minor inaccuracies were merely phenomenal to me as a player and as part of the show's audience the show is modern as it could get contrary to the setting it tackled issues of loss addiction feminism and many others and the resolution of these topics as the episodes. Um, it's more than just chess. And it's why that this series became a beautiful hit amongst, I could say, almost everyone. So, um, I'd like to conclude this buttload of information and rambling about my then lost passion for chess into the words of Beth. Let's play a game. Okay, I mean this like as a half joke whether you like to play with me or not because as I'm again rusty because I wanted this episode to end that would make you feel like whoa it's so amazing he did this research and all that and but just want to sound amazing to you but uh yeah i hope you enjoyed this one because i did i love to research and i love diving myself into sport as i've tried on games and my rating of 1500 <laughs> i'm sorry so but yeah i'm still working on it and uh I only recorded and uploaded this now because I'm not exactly the most motivated person in the world but 
I finally had the courage to do so and I hope that you enjoyed this one. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, regards, DLO. Bye.